life drowns out the whispers of God. The activities of life, the busyness, the demands of life make it extremely difficult to hear the voice of God. And so we have to learn how to control our environment, how to keep our spiritual ears tuned so we can hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, I have a number of prayer requests that are still on my list. Things that I'm still believing God to do for us. I also have a number of questions, directions that I need from God. God, what do you want to do about this? God, how do we handle that? What about this? What about that? And I'm still waiting on that direction. Now, he never gives me direction until he feels it's time for me to have direction. Some information he withholds from me. We read in the scripture where God withheld information from his prophets until the proper time. Now, I'm not a prophet, but I can tell you that God withholds information from me until he feels it's the right time. But even when he is withholding information from me concerning one aspect of my life, he is simultaneously downloading things to me about other areas of my life. So I have to realize that, that God will give me what I need when I need it. When the time is right, the word will come into my spirit. But I have to be listening and I have to be attentive to what God is saying. I never demand anything of God. I never stomp my fist, stomp my feet, shake my fist, or snap my fingers at God. You, you have to be in God's timing and in God's rhythm. And I just believe that when God's time and in God's rhythm, He will speak to me and give me the information that He needs. And if it seems like I need to know right now, like what are you waiting on God? I realize it's just not time. His timing is perfect. And when the word is needed, the word will be there. Can you say amen? amen? So let this be an encouragement to you. If you're seeking God for direction, if you're seeking God for wisdom and answers, when, the word, when it's time, the word will come. When it's time, you'll hear it in your spirit and you'll know what to do. Until then, just trust and believe in God and wait until he gives you the word that you need. But I'm convinced that more than waiting on God, my life is too loud, my life is too busy. It isn't so much that God isn't speaking as often it is I can hear Him for all the other noise that's going on in my life. It's a huge distraction. A huge distraction. And so I'm working on creating silence in my life. Lowering the volume. Lowering the amount of activity because I feel like it's imperative to hearing the voice of God. The world just gets too busy and too noisy and it makes it very difficult for us to hear Him. You know, I just believe if we lean in, we can hear the silent whispers of God if we're willing to lean in. How many of you are willing to lean in? I've had the pleasure of going to Washington, D.C. on more than one occasion. I know that many of you have as well. If you haven't, you should. Um, next to Israel, Washington, D.C. is a place that we all need to go as Americans. And so I have visited the capital and 
enjoyed every minute of that and look forward to doing so again. And one of my favorite places is Statuary Hall. And uh, it's one of the original meeting places of our founding fathers before the, uh, the, uh, the extensive camp, uh, camp, uh, capital we have now was built. And uh, the ceiling is domed and ornately uh, carved and decorated. And it's called Statuary Hall because each state uh, brings statues of two of their greatest state citizens uh, and is standing there. It's a wonderful place. Um, a year or so ago, we had the opportunity to go and, and, and be, have a guided Christian tour. And the tour was designed to help you remember and, and be knowledgeable of spiritual, religious, and Christian events and spiritual leaders that worked in our capital uh, from the beginning of our nation until now. And one of the interesting things as we stood in Statuary Hall is uh, they began to show us how that the, the audio dynamics are so wonderful and unique that someone can whisper on one side of Statuary Hall, which is about 200 feet across, and, and can whisper on one side, and those around the person whispering can't hear it. But the way the building, the roof ceiling is, is a half uh, circle, the whisper goes up and around and lands on another part of the building so that a person many feet away can hear clearly what was whispered on the other side of the building. Even when the people closest couldn't hear the whisper, if you're standing in the right spot, you can hear them whisper. Now there's an old story that historians question about John Quincy Adams that was reportedly uh, seen sleeping on his desk in what is now Statuary Hall. And uh, the idea was where his desk was is one of those listening spots. If you stand right where his desk was, a whisper on the other side could be heard very clearly to where his desk was. And so it's thought and said that he would listen to his political opponents as they whispered to one another and eavesdrop on them because they didn't realize that if you're in the right spot, you can hear someone whisper even though they're far, far away. Pretty interesting. So when you go to Washington, D.C., you go to the Capitol and you look at always try to find the listening spot and, and, and experience that unique audio dynamic that allows you to hear someone whisper even though they're far, far away. I believe there's a spiritual parallel to that. There is a place that I can stand where I can hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit. There's a life that I can live. There's a relationship that I can have with God that allows me to hear the silent whispers of God and to know what He might be saying when others around me cannot hear. It's the listening spot. What my hope is that I can lead you to a place in your walk with God in your life so that you can hear these whispers. It's not just any life. It's not just any place or any kind of a relationship. But there is a place in God that every one of us can find where we can be at the listening spot, the whispering spot, where what God is whispering can be heard deep in our hearts. There were a number of people that had whispering spots in the Bible. You remember Abraham, there was the Oak of Mamre that seemed to be his listening spot. Then there was Isaac, his son. It was the well of Nahor that seemed to be that spot where God spoke to him. And then there was Jacob, and his spot was 
Bethel. And every time he went to Bethel, God spoke to him and gave him direction for his life. Moses had a listening spot. It turned out to be a burning bush for Joshua's Gilgal. And for Gideon, it was the tree of Oprah. The fact is that God has a place for you relationally and maybe geographically where it is optimized for you to connect with him and to begin to hear what the Spirit is saying to you. So it is a place relationally and most often it is a place geographically. When you're standing in the right place, then you can hear the whispers of the Lord. It's important that you and I create a routine, a personal pattern that allows for God to speak to us. Now you know and I know that you can be in a crowd, you can be driving your automobile, you can be doing your day's work, I mean you can be anywhere, and God can speak to you in that moment and just sort of invade your space and invade your environment and can say something to you anywhere, anytime. You all know that, right? Anywhere, anytime. But in the course of your life, if you want to be in a place where you continually feel like God is leading you and guiding you and communicating messages to you, you've got to have a lifestyle, you've got to have a routine that is conducive to it. And if life is just so busy that there's never time for God, I'm just going to say this, you're going to hear God a lot less in your life. If your life is so busy and so full of noise and people, you're going to hear God a lot, lot less. And so if it's your desire to walk with Him, your routine has got to have space for you and space and time for you. And a routine is important. You know, um, we have a saying that we use, well, when I get time, I will. And whoever gets time, I, I mean, time is a vacuum. You've got five minutes and it fills up. You know, we're not just going to get time. Paul spoke to King Agrippa, and at the close of his testimony, the King Agrippa said to him, at a more convenient season, maybe I'll consider what you're saying. There's no convenient seasons in life. And if you just say, well, when I get time, I'm going to have a moment with God, you probably won't ever get time because time is a vacuum. And life has a way of filling it up. And if you're a mother with children, a father with kids and responsibilities, I mean, life just consumes you. So you've got to have a routine. You've got to have a schedule. And you've got to make appointments with God. You know, uh, if you have a doctor's appointment, or hey, we're filling out, fill out in, it's income tax season. If you've got an appointment with your CPA or your tax preparer, or maybe you've got an appointment with your attorney. Or maybe the high boss calls you in for an appointment. Are you late for that appointment? Do you go if you have time, if it works out, if everything lines up? No, you, you say, no, i got to make an appointment, and everything else is going to have to wait. But when it comes to God, we often treat God as totally optional. We treat God as if he's not very important and not very authoritative in our life. And as a result, we miss more and more appointments, or we're late, or we leave early, or when we're there, we're not really there. It's important that we create routines and we set appointments with God. Susanna Wesley, mother of 
John Wesley, had 17 kids in a very, very small house. Now, if she had 17 kids, she had no spare time and she had no privacy. You can know that. All the mothers say, I know that's right. 17 kids. But the history of this godly woman was that she would sit in a rocking chair and cover herself and the rocking chair with a big quilt. And all the kids knew that mom was praying and that was her quiet time with God. She didn't have a room to go with. She couldn't leave all those 17 kids. So she just covered herself up with a big blanket, sat in her rocker, and had a private time with God. Because this woman of God knew that if she was going to raise 17 kids, she needed some quiet time with God. How did she do it? As a result, her son John Wesley, that was the founder of the Wesley Methodist, made a huge impact on the world even to this day. Learned how to pray every day at his bedside because his watched his mom cover herself with that quilt sitting in a rocking chair. He learned the value of having a routine, having a schedule, making an appointment with God, and not letting the life push it out. In a secular way, Thomas Edison had a thinking chair. Thomas Edison that invented so many of the things that made the modern world possible. He had a thinking chair. A thinking chair. And then Alexander Graham Bell, who changed the world with the idea of, of electronic sound transfer. He had a dreaming place. He called it his dreaming place. A place where he could go and just think and dream and create and, and, and ultimately would create something that would change the world. But he had a place. It was his dreaming place. So let me ask you, do you have a place, a whispering spot, a rocking chair, a place by the bed? Emerson had Waldo Lake. Where do you have? Where do you have? What, what geographical space? What in your routine and schedule do you say, you know, this is what I give to God? Now, you know that Renee and I, our children are grown, and we're empty nesters. It's easy for me. It's easy for Renee. When you're not raising kids and there's two of you in a big house, there's plenty of places to find some solitude, right? It's not a big deal. But I'm looking out here at mothers and fathers, raising children, working two or three jobs, traveling all over the country to get your work done. It's a bigger challenge for you than it is for me. But understand that we haven't always been empty nesters, but we had children and we had responsibilities and our life has been busy and still is to a great degree. But I want to encourage you to fit into your life, not my life, but your life. First of all, a time, make an appointment with God, a routine, a schedule, something you do every week, and then a place where you can have time with God. I want to encourage husbands and wives to respect each other's time and to encourage this in each other. Because sometimes men feel so pulled upon and pressed that they feel like they're doing so much and I don't have time and honey, you gotta come help. And sometimes mothers feel like I've taken care of the kids all day in the house and I cook. And by the way, I work 40 hours just like you do and so uh, I don't have time while you do that. But as best you can, carve out time for each other. You'll have a better husband, a better wife. You'll have a better family and a better life 
If you'll help each other find those times and carve out those spaces to be alone with God. Some people like activity during these times. Activity. Some like to kneel and pray. Some like to walk and pray. Some like to work out in a gym environment and exercise while they pray. Some like to pray while they drive. Some like to play music on their headphones or, or in, their, their, uh, in their automobile. Some like it silent. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's important except what works for you and, and what fits your life. If, if you pray net, pray best on your knees, hit them. If you pray best walking, walk them. But the point is, pray. If it's in your backyard or you're walking around the block or you're in your closet, literally, it really doesn't matter as long as you have a whispering spot where you can hear the voice of God, where you can dream and plan, and where you can get renewed in your inner strength and your inner man. Give me a great big hand clap for all that. We read John 10 where Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. Now there's a difference in hearing and listening. You know, there's a lot of sound coming into your ears right now that you're not listening to. You have the ability, miraculously by the creative design of God, to blank out certain sounds and to choose to listen to certain sounds. Thank you for listening to me. You can cut me off any second. I know that. Stop listening to me, and, and it's like I'm not even here. It doesn't mean the sound of my voice is going to die out of your ear. It just means your brain's going to go on something else, and you won't be able to hear a word I'm saying. You won't be listening. And so it's important that we listen for the voice of God, and to listen you have to be mentally focused, you have to be attentive, and you've got to stay disciplined or your mind wanders off. If you stay disciplined, you stay locked in, you can listen to me throughout this message. It's not going to last for a few more minutes. Hang on. But if you let your mind wander, pretty soon you're doing other things and you can't remember a word I said, even though the sound came in your ears. So we have to keep our ears tuned so we can listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because He might be speaking, but we would never hear or know of. So listen to the Lord. You know, how often do you accuse your kids of, you're not listening to me? What happens when they don't listen to us as parents? What happens when they don't listen to us? Bad things happen, right, parents? They won't listen to us. So what happens? They blow their money. They lose their phone. They won't listen to us so they get involved with their own friends. They won't listen to us so they're late with their homework or their grades go down. Why? Because they won't listen to us. But if they would just listen to us, we could save them so many problems in life. Their life would be so much better if they would just listen to us. How many agree your kid's life would be better if they'd listen to you as their parents? Don't you think our Heavenly Father's like, oh, why won't they listen to me? Their life would be so much better if they would just listen to me. And so I'm spending some time with you just saying, listen for God. Six times in the Gospels, eight times in the book of Revelation, 
The Bible said, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Whoever has ears. Whoever has spiritual ears. Now, I'm assuming all of you can hear. I mean, most of you better than me. But the point is, we can all hear natural sound. But just because you can hear natural sound does not mean you can hear a spiritual sound. We have to have spiritual ears. And when God speaks, everyone doesn't hear. Now, God has an outer voice and an inner voice. When he chooses to use his outer voice, everybody can hear. When he spoke from Mount Sinai, the earth shook and everybody heard it. And when he spoke over Jesus at his baptism, my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, everybody heard it. But God has an inner voice that only people that have spiritual ears so maybe we need an examination, a hearing test on our spiritual ears. We must not only walk with God, we must talk with God. So we've got to walk and talk with God. And talking with God is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. Now, I had a, a, a wonderful person working for me last week uh, at the ranch. They were helping me get some things done I needed to get done so bad. Have you ever met anybody that talk the horns off a of billy goat? <laughs> that when they started talking, you never knew when they were going to shut up or what they were going to talk about. So I found myself hiding, sneaking around. <laughs> Not going to catch me, babe. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely essential. Because inevitably, it was a monologue. And uh, how many of you like monologues? Not really. Uh, we like dialogues. We like to think that we're conversing, that we're saying something, and then something is saying back, and then we're going back, and, and we're, we're exchanging ideas and messages with one another. And so people that never learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit struggle in their prayer life because it's a monologue. They're doing all the talking. I mean, what if I said to you, stand up right now and talk nonstop for 30 minutes. Now, this study with me last night, it would be no problem. I'm telling you, tell she could talk 30 minutes and never even know it. But for the rest of us, just stand up and start talking for 30 minutes. And so that's the way we feel when we start praying. And okay, I'm gonna pray now, so I've gotta talk for 30 minutes. About three minutes later, you can't think of anything to say, so you start saying the same things over and over again. Right? So when prayer becomes more than a monologue, when you feel like you've got to talk nonstop, it becomes a dialogue where you talk to God and you listen, and you talk to God and you listen, and you let Him create impressions in your spirit and bring thoughts and ideas and, and dreams and strategies and solutions to your mind. Prayer's no longer just... All right, I've got to pray, so I've got to talk nonstop until the time's up. But prayer becomes an interaction with God, and prayer becomes a dialogue where both are speaking. That's the kind of relationship God wants with all of us. Not the super spiritual, the super intelligent, or the super called, but God wants that kind of relationship with every single one of His children. Give me another great big amen. amen.
I'm going to talk to you about the voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart and, and give you some practical things that I hope will help you. Um, later in this study, I'm going to talk to you about how God speaks through dreams and visions and desires and open doors and um, pain and other things like that. I'll talk to you about that later, but today I'm going to finish our time. I want to talk to you a little bit about discerning when, when the Lord speaks to you in your heart and, and that silent whisper of God is in your spirit. Um, the psalmist David said in 42, he talked about the deep calling to the deep. We studied that for a lifetime. It's a bit of a mystery, but it somehow resonates within us that when you're hearing the voice of God, it is deep calling to deep. There is something deep within us. So in the times in my life when I felt like I really had some direction from the Lord, some guidance from the Holy Spirit, it's very deep. It's very deep. And, and there's a difference in surface and deep. And it feels very much like what is being said is coming from a source that is quite deep. And the key is to distinguish among all the other voices in your life and the other ideas and thoughts, what might be the voice of God, that silent whisper, and what isn't. And I look for a sense of otherness. I'm using the word deep, now I'm using the word otherness. There is some otherness about it. When it's me, it feels familiar. When it's the enemy, in some form or fashion, Satan, demonic spirits, I'm familiar with all that. But when it's the Lord, it, it has an otherness about it. It has a uniqueness about it. It has something special on it. And so when all is going on in my head, in my spirit, in my mind, I'm looking for something that's coming from deep and something that has an otherness about it. Now, when the Lord speaks in a, in a quote, a quote is when he says certain words, a sentence or two or what. Whatever. A message is an impression. It's not a quote. It's an impression. But when God speaks to you and you feel like it, it's a quote, it's like, whoa, I just heard the voice of the Spirit. It is attached to it is sight. Like if the Lord says, I want you to go and apply for that job, I'm going to open that door for you, you can see yourself applying for that job and working at that job. It's just instantly, when that word comes into your spirit, you can just see it. It's a reality because in the instant the word comes, not measured by time, but in that, in that fragment of, of, of time that you have a realization, you can see it. It has a, a feeling to it, a feeling to it. It, it. it affects you emotionally and spiritually and and so when you hear that voice, it has a feeling to it. It has other things like understanding. You know, if the Lord says do this or don't do that, it's like, poof, I understand. Why did I think of that before? Suddenly, the picture clears up. Y'all listen real close to me today. Are y'all getting this? Yes. Okay. Sometimes when you get quiet, it's because I'm not doing a good job, and sometimes it's because I'm doing a stinking good job. I never know quite. Okay. Am I bombing here or am I hitting the target? I don't know. And so understanding will come with that word. It's just like suddenly 
everything clears up. Things you were trying to answer and, and confusion and, and didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden it's like the path opens up and you're like, oh yeah, that, that's it. I, I got it. That's it. So there's understanding attached to it. There's a deep sense of knowing. Knowing, like, yeah, I got it. And because of that, they're safe. You're still like, man, you're safe. That's going to work. I, I, that's, just the right thing. that's just the right thing to do. That's it. I got it. And uh, when, when you hear a little word in your spirit about a directive in your life, I'm talking about significant directives, um, there's a grace that comes with God's word. And grace is the power and the desire to do His will. That's what grace is. It's the power and the desire. And so, man, when that word comes, just grace comes. When you're ready to pack up. You're ready to dive in. You're ready to go for it. Because when the word comes, grace comes with it. And you say amen. So when you're listening, listen to some of these things. Now, whispers from the spirit move from your spirit to your conscious level. Now remember, a word of God does not come to my mind first. A word from the Lord comes to my spirit first. Because God is a spirit. I am a human spirit. And so he, he communicates spirit to spirit. It's not the English language. It, it, it's, it's not a vehicle of, of communication that you and I would use. But it is a spiritual uh, connection and a spiritual message that is important. So it goes from the Holy Spirit to your human spirit. Developing spiritual ears is about learning how to hear in your spirit. We learn how to hear with our ears, but we have to learn how to hear with our spirit, which is deep inside of us. Now, at some point, God downloads a message into my spirit, but it has to transfer from my spiritual intellect to my mental capacity. It's got to go into my mind at some point. Now, when it moves, in, when it's in my spirit, it's in the purest form. But when it hits my mind, it's mixed. Because my mind is not pure, and my mind is mixed with all kinds of things. So suddenly you have the pure, deep calling to the deep that comes up into the surface of my mind. And when it hits the screen of my mind, it's, it's just mixed with all the other stuff that's going on in my mind at that point in time. The pure is mixed with the impure. The quiet is mixed with the noisy. The sure is mixed with doubt. Understanding meets confusion. Faith collides with fear. Because when it comes out of my spirit and hits my mind, my mind is full of all kinds of stuff. I'm dealing with fear and doubt and unbelief and demonic influences and questions and self-doubt. I mean, you know, your mind is just, just all kinds of stuff going on. Am I the one like that or you wouldn't know that? And so when it comes out of my spirit into the conscious level of my mind, I have to be able to discern what's God in, in the middle of a bunch of other stuff that isn't God. And that's the maturity of having spiritual ears. So every thought has an origin or an author. Everybody say an author. Has an author. Uh, Jesus said this. From the heart proceed all kinds of sensible things, including thoughts. Thoughts come from the heart. Now, the way I understand the heart is we're a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. And the heart is where all three of these intersect. It's the very core of my being. When I got saved, he took out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. It's the intersection of all three. And God said out of that is what proceeds 
sinful things, and even thoughts good or bad. So the first author of thoughts that come into my mind is my own personal imagination. I am imagining things. I'm creating things. I'm always thinking and planning and wondering and dreaming and, and just creating stuff. It's your imagination. And you're, you're, you're just creating stuff mentally. So the first author of thoughts is your own personal imagination. Secondly, Satan and his various spirits that are in the world create thoughts in our mind. He superimposes over our mind his thoughts, his ideas, his ways, his lies, his doubt, his sin, all that stuff is brought into us. It's called temptation. He has access to our mind. And as a result, we've got all of his stuff going on in our mind. We've got our stuff going on, we've got his stuff going on. But somewhere in that, there is God's stuff that has come up out of my spirit. It's the whispers of God. And he comes into that confusion of my own imagination and the, the temptations and the lies of the enemy. And in that is the pure and the holy, the divine thoughts of God. And the challenge is to know which thoughts are divine, which thoughts are mine, and which thoughts are of the devil. And if I can somehow sort that out, I'm going to be a lot better in life. Many of the temptations we yield to in life is not because we have a desire to do what is wrong, but it's because we fail to separate demonic thoughts from our own thoughts, from God's thoughts. We don't realize Satan has gotten us into a tempting situation and we yield to him until it's too late. Then we realize, oh my God, that was the devil telling me to do that. Wrong thoughts, wrong ideas, wrong decisions. And so um, it's important that we know the difference uh, authors of thoughts in our minds and keep that straight. The Bible says this, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought into obedience. Bring it captive and take charge of what's in your mind and learn how to hear the voice of God and separate what God's saying, what you are saying, and what the enemy may be saying to you. Can you say amen? Um, well, how do you know God's whisper? Well, the same way you know the voice of your wife or your child's voice. You just have a relationship with them and you spend time with them. Uh, there's somewhat of a learning curve for hearing the voice of God. I'm not saying God can't speak to anybody, any, anywhere, anytime. It doesn't matter. But we're talking about walking and talking with God. You have to develop spiritual ears. And to do that, it, there's a learning curve. It takes time. Any relationship takes time. And so the more you work on your relationship, the more you walk to, with God, the more you talk to God, the more you listen to God, the more you're going to hear the voice of God. Now, there's a proving to all this. I know many times in my life, with my best effort at play, my very best effort, I miss God. I thought God was saying something and didn't seem like it turned out right. It just didn't seem like I was correct. Like I missed God. It wasn't because I wasn't trying. I just made a mistake. I, I just, looking back on it, I, 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 it, then there was other times God spoke to me and, and it proved to be just the right thing. So there's a proving time. A proving time. And sometimes, like a baby learns to walk, you stumble and fall and you make mistakes. But you, your, your Heavenly Father picks you back up and says, let's give it another try. You'll get this. 
And that's the way it is when you're developing spiritual ears. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to dive out there and say, honey, I think God's telling me to do this. A week later, you're going to say, well, uh, honey, I need to talk to you about it. But don't give up. Just get back up. It'll be all right. She's probably trying to hear the voice of God herself. And if she's honest, she'll have to admit there's been some time when she misunderstood what the message that God was talking to her. How many of you would give me comfort and say, Pastor, I misunderstood sometimes what I thought God was saying. I just misunderstood. It's okay to misunderstand. It's okay. Just keep following God and let Him guide you in life. You'll never be sorry. So to know God is to know His voice. Can you say amen? Now, next Sunday is Family Sunday. So we're going to incorporate our children and students in the service. They're going to be singing for us. We've got a big dance, coming uh, worship dance for our teenagers. And we're going to use them uh, as ushers and greeters. And they're going to be on TCN. And I'm going to do something up here with them on the stage. And we're just going to involve all of our kids in the service next Sunday and get them here with us. And uh, it's good for the kids to worship with their parents. How many of you looking forward to worshiping with your kids, right? And uh, don't get them a cell phone next Sunday now. We're going we're to help you with that. And so, uh, looking forward to that. But my message is going to be how God speaks to children. I'm going to show you in the scripture how God spoke to children of all ages. And I want to inspire our kids at young ages to hear the voice of God. They don't have to be 12 or 16 or 21. Or, they don't have to. God can speak to the smallest children so clearly. And the truth is, their little minds and spirits are so pure and clean. Oftentimes, it's easier for them to hear God than it is for me and you. Because they're not all confused about it. They're just simple and pure. And I want, as their, as their pastor, I want to nurture in them the desire to hear God's voice, to be led by the Spirit. And I'm going to take next Sunday to really talk with all the family and encourage them, each and every one, as a family, to be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? amen. Hope you've enjoyed the teaching today. You can close your Bibles now. Amen. Don't forget Family Sunday. We'll have a good time here next Sunday. Ask our prayer for to come forward. And uh, as always, I look forward to opening the altars for you. If you need prayer or ministry for anything, it's our pleasure to serve you now. God's wonderful people coming forward, and they'll be waiting here for you. All you have to do is just stand up, pick one of these people you want to, want to pray for you. All of them are very confident, capable, know how to pray to touch God your behalf. And just come down, and they'll pray for you. Now, when you come down, you don't have to tell us details or personal things or anything like that. Just kind of give us a general category and summarize it for us. And uh, God knows all the details. He really does. We're not having confession yet. Really not. This is not confession. We're going to come and we're going to pray over you and the Spirit of the Lord is going to touch you and, and He's going to help you in a personal and a very special way. And if you leave here with a deposit having been made in your heart and in your life, it'll make a difference for you tomorrow. Maybe something in your health, maybe facing something in your health that you just need the people of God to pray with you and help you overcome that. Could be something in a relationship or something in your finances. You may have a big decision or a big problem or a great opportunity coming before you, a job interview. I don't know what it is. You know, it doesn't always have to be bad. It's something very, very good. And so if you need prayer ministry, we want to give you an opportunity to come down and we want to pray with you and believe God for something wonderful to happen in that area of your life. Let's stand.
And if you need ministry, you can come down. You don't have to be a member of the church or anything like that. It's open to everyone. If you want prayer, come on down. We'll be happy to pray for you. Yeah. 